the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert. It's all of it. Also, spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We'll be discussing spoilers as usual. So here is your warning. I am Ashley. And I'm Alex. And that person laughing in the background is the third point of the A trifecta. Yes. Allie. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) Well, normally normally I don't mess up the intro. If there's one point that you do kind of struggle with, it's spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) That is a hard phrase. I'm now realizing it after however many years. Two and a half years, something like that. I'm not sure. Who's counting? I'm not a good enunciator or orator. (laughs) It's all right. We're just doing a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's only an auditory medium. (laughs) Like try saying it 10 times fast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. So we're all stuck inside, as everyone else in the country is. Hopefully. Stay in, guys. Don't go out. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you still working, Allie? Um, Yeah, so I'm extremely lucky in that I am paid to teach, right? And so as long as the university keeps going, I have a job, which is awesome. So are you teaching online? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, We haven't been trying to do Zoom because I teach sophomores, and so we're trying not to stress them out too much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, on top of everything else going on. So you're just, like, giving them documents to do? Yeah, so, like, we we use D2L. I don't know if you guys have used that at all, but um, Mm -hmm. it's nice. It's pretty pretty straightforward we, we just post like discussions and then i go in there and oh, nice. poke, you know poke around and i'm like hey guys think more deeply <laughs> that's, great. that's the gist of it really. so are you do you have to go in for your experience experiments and stuff still though yeah and so that's another thing god i'm so lucky like everybody else got their experiments shut down like i have two friends who are on the cusp of finishing you know like five-year phds and now they can't because they can't finish Oof. their stuff yeah um, but I have live animals. <laughs> so, um, so I gotta go feed the them and stuff. Why don't, why don't you tell our listeners exactly what your studies are? Oh yeah, yeah, that probably sounds weird out of context. <laughs> <laughs> I'm growing live animals. You know, <laughs> wouldn't be totally out of character, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I am currently working. I'm a marine biologist, um, and I'm trying to work with forestry chemicals so like herbicide or sorry herbicides and pesticides um and so what we're testing is to see if there is an effect on clams and so um right now i actually don't have clams i have mussels but that's kind of a whole part of the we don't have real seawater thing um and so basically yeah we make it with salt but then you know um in the ocean there's like a ton of bacteria there's all this other life that is a part of that and so we have to prep the water with other animals first (laughs) and like get the filters going and stuff it's really interesting so like the filters that we have have to have a bacterial community in them to be able to use them for the actual experiment which i thought was so interesting (laughs) so you have to grow animals to test animals yes precisely (laughs) different yes different animals you have to grow the little itty bitty ones (laughs) exactly just hoping that they're there, you know? I, like, can't <laughs> right. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It's been an experience. I've learned, it was like, I felt pretty geeky. I got really excited. Like, I didn't know how they were supposed to be, like, how I was supposed to know they were ready. 
And apparently they go through like the whole nitrogen cycle. And that's just how you know. So like all the levels in the water got super crazy for a while. And I thought they were going to die. And <laughs> it just balanced out. And I was like, this is so neat. I've never actually seen this happen in real life. So it's kind of kind of cool. <laughs> that is super cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we pivot to the now I, I recognize foolishly named Five Minute Masters. <laughs> you tell us about your actual very master's degree that you're working on. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about our bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to begin as per the tradition, Alex? Yes. So I would like to share with both of you uh, the Fiji Mermaid. <gasps> Mermaid in our in our series of weird <laughs> fake history animals, love it. I love so it. So the Fiji the Fiji mermaid was made uh, uh, famous by P.T. Barnum in the eighteen forties. Uh, that jackass. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. You're right. Um, fucking guy. <laughs> so the Fiji mermaid and other hoax mermaids had upper bodies of apes sewn to fish tails. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a little monkey sewed onto a fish. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> so unlike images of mermaids in fol- folklore and pop culture, uh, the Fiji mermaid and other uh, hoax mermaids were unattractive and often described as hideous. <laughs> in his autobiography, Barnum described the mermaids as ugly, dried up, black looking, di- diminutive specimens about oh. three feet long. Its mouth was open, its tail turned over, its arms thrown up, giving it the appearance it had died in great agony. <laughs> Very whimsical, Barnum. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then there's the story of this this uh, this mermaid. Um, uh, it was likely created in the early 1800s by a Japanese fisherman. I didn't know that. And yeah. um, and it was probably sold to a Dutch merchant in the 1810s. <laughs> At the time, the Dutch were the only Westerners permitted to trade with Japan, for which the, is for interesting. This, for that story, huh. go watch. Um, Bill Wirtz's History of Japan video. It'll tell you a little bit about that. You'll, you'll laugh your butt off. Um, after Commodore, Commodore Matthew Perry <laughs> opened trade between Japan and the rest of the world yeah. in 1853. Matthew um, Commodore Matthew Perry. He's the Beautiful. One <laughs> um, and after he opened the trade up, there were more fake mermaids that appeared. Uh-huh. Um, these mermaids did not resemble the beautiful creatures described by Hans Christian Andersen, Shakespeare, and others. Um, here is a picture, a drawing. Oh, it's really bad. I'm, you're kind of lucky you're not seeing this right now, Allie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little relieved. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's got some really wretched little, like, boobs, little teats there. It's, I mean, it just looks like a shriveled up monkey with a fishtail. It's really oh, bad. Oh, my goodness. This it's just this is just the pen and ink drawing. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. Oh, okay. Luckily. That's not luckily. <laughs> um, after being acquired by the Dutch, the mermaid went to England. <laughs> the mermaid oh, went perfect. to England. <laughs> uh, um, the like Dutch a, merchant. A this is where it gets crazy, though. The Dutch <laughs> merchant ship sank, but an American captain named Samuel Samuel Barrett Eads rescued the crew and the mermaid. <laughs> Continuously referred to as the mermaid. According okay. to um, 
this uh, someone else. Uh, according to yeah, so that guy was so fascinated by the mermaid that he bought it from the Dutch in 1822. He had to sell his ship to pay the six thousand dollar price. What? So, so he sold his ship to buy a mermaid. <laughs> To buy a monkey sewed to a fish. <laughs> um, he needed travel money, so he exhibited it in Cape Town, oh. uh, where it was like, uh, you know, people were wild for it. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, let's see what else. He, <laughs> in September of 1822, he arrived in London, set up a display at a coffee house. Um, where it was called the remarkable stuffed mermaid. Oh my god, that's like that's how they used to do it old school. Rather than like poetry nights and stuff, it was like come see this monkey glued to a fish. Have you guys seen our fantastic local sort of a version of this thing? I think so. Yeah. The alligator man. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've definitely yeah. seen the alligator man. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like. Oh yeah, no, you can't like live in Washington, Oregon without having seen Jake. I feel like that's yeah. Yes, Jake the Alligator Man is exhibited at Marsha's Free Museum in Long Beach, Washington. It's you got to see it. I'm not gonna lie, that museum is legendary. Like even if Jake (laughs) weren't there, (laughs) it's it's funny that it's called Marsha's Free Museum because it's basically like like a souvenir shop where they have like a jackalope. Like exactly. there's a similar, there's a similar one in, in uh, sisters as well. Is sisters there? origin. Oh mm-hmm. They have a mermaid there. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. They literally put uh, in like two taxidermied animals. And they're like, it's a museum. It's a- Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. Yeah. That's how you do you it. You can buy rock candy here. They probably get a tax break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Allie, your mom should start one of those. Oh, she'd be so good at that. Can you imagine? Like her and Baxter just hang out. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell her. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I can hang um, out. That'd be great. So the story continues. Oh, good. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, after arriving in London, the guy uh, who seems to have believed that the mermaid was real um, yeah. invited two prominent naturalists to examine it. They compl- proclaimed it fake. Yeah. At least they knew. Yeah, I was going to say. That was another twist I wasn't going to expect if they were like, yeah, legit. Good job. Wow, it's a miracle. So after its initial fame in England, the mermaid existed in relative obscurity for nearly 20 years. And then in the early 1840s, uh, a proprietor of the Boston Museum met with the dude's son and bought the mermaid. Um. And then they like made up stories about it. Of course. And then Barnum leased the mermaid from the guy who bought it. <laughs> oh my word. He was leasing it? <laughs> Rental mermaid? Well, I mean, he didn't have any money at first. I guess so. <laughs> he was a scam artist. Yeah. Just a poor, humble scam artist. Yeah, <laughs> so. Leasing a, a mermaid. <laughs> Lease. Lease to own mermaid. <laughs> Um, so it it goes on like the, the, you know, the, the ship part where like they rescued it from a sinking ship. Um, so there's just, yeah, there's, there's more and more and more, but there's like like an essay. The irony of rescuing a mermaid from a sinking ship. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, and just, I imagine him like coming upon this wreckage and being like, what is this 
thing. I must have it. Like he sells his ship to get this thing. <laughs> I can't imagine being that like amazed by yeah, anywho. <laughs> Beautiful. It's pretty great. It's pretty mm-hmm. great. And then there's somebody else later in this article that says, uh, with <laughs> she's mounted vertically with a large head and pendulous breasts. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> yep. So that's the the Fiji mermaid. It, that's oh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. horrible right. and incredible. Ellie, I understand that you've prepared something as well. Well, yeah. So um, this is kind of on the fly, but I am so I'm an invertebrate zoologist, right? That's kind of like my my jam. I just really love invertebrates, and so um, <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? Right? <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> Um, but I am fascinated by the way that they mate, like, and so I always like telling people about this. You're going to freak out Ashley. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, I'll try not to make, like, the weirdest ones, but, um, I was trying to think my absolute favorite, um, when we were going through this, when I took invertebrate zoology in undergrad, um, were actually millipedes. Um, they are the only known animal well maybe i won't say this because i can't remember how true that goes but i think they're the only invertebrates that use tools to reproduce um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i know are you intrigued yeah. um, deeply <laughs> <laughs> so no so what happens is that the the male millipede right like fashions a dirt cup and then he ejaculates into that and gives it to the female. And she then decides if she wants to, like, take that and impregnate herself, basically. It's, so it's and then, all artificial insemination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then if she does, yeah. she, like, weaves this this nest out of their poop. And then that's where the babies are, like, received into this fecal nest is what they call it. Uh, did you say fecal mess? Fecal nest. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that's just I mean, a fecal mess. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is a fecal mess. It's just a little more organized, I guess. <laughs> oh, have you seen, seen Sharon's fecal nest? It's more like a fecal mess. <laughs> oh, my. oh my god. If millipedes had a sassy gay friend. <laughs> I can see one of those episodes. <laughs> Oh my. Oh my word. Yeah, so that was my favorite. I remember I literally came into class that day and my instructor, Ben, the professor, I was like, Ben, millipedes? And he was like, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the other one that just blows my mind, which um, for me goes deeper, it's like just the fact that they have this kind of consciousness is what blows my mind, um, are cuttlefish. And so, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, and they actually do cuddle. They're pretty pretty freaking precious um but but so basically what happens um is that when they're doing their little like mating dance kind of their courtship have you um the guy will come the male will come up and then if he makes it basically if there are no other males around that are stronger um they kind of latch on to each other where they have like their tentacles at like that end of their body and that's where their mouths are um Mm -hmm. And basically, he like transfers his sperm to her, which is kind of a weird movement. But um, <laughs> you know, and so then when that's done, it always <laughs> is. It's kind of like a, a chugging. I don't even know. It's worth like looking up a video. So it's worth it's worth searching. It's interesting. <laughs> 
Uh, those cephalopods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love them, right? <laughs> but yeah, okay, so this is where it gets crazy, right? So, so after they do that... <laughs> we haven't even arrived yet. No, um... So this is where they start cuddling, and it's super cute. They're like, the male will just kind of caress the female with one of his tentacles. Um, but we're not even done. So, like, another male is like, oh, this female looks great. Like, I don't know what their qualifications are for, like, like beautiful females, you know, <laughs> like, just wanting to be. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they come up, and then if there's a dominant male already with her, they actually, they have one tentacle that kind of differentiates them from the females. That's kind of how you can sex a cephalopod. Um, and <laughs> I like that phrase. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry. Um, but he like basically tucks it up and so that the male can't really realize that he's a male. And they mm. actually like, they literally call them sneaky fuckers because like they get in there <laughs> and they, basically the male feels like nothing's happening. He thinks it's just another female and he'll kind of wander off. And then the male comes in and reproduces with this female. I mean, usually there's like a fight that goes on. But, um, cause the other male usually figures it out. Um, but what blew my mind is that this second male, if he wins the fight, like he knows that they already reproduced. And so he actually like goes in because they basically, the sperm is like in her body cavity, which sounds awful when you think about it in like human terms, but with invertebrates, it's not as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They've got some hollow parts. It's fine. It's fine. You know? <laughs> But yeah, he basically like goes in and cleans out the sperm of like he clears it all out of her previous mate and then gives her his own. Whoa! <laughs> Isn't that wild? Like for me, just like the fact that they know that there's already somebody else's like sperm in there. I don't know. That just blew my mind. I thought that was so cool. And then they cuddle, and it's great. <laughs> so it's all okay. <laughs> wow. That yeah. was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was my favorite. I was like, I never would have suspected, you know? They're just these precious little guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to take us out of the aquatic territory. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, because, and, and for reasons which will become uh, evident perhaps later, I want to tell you guys about a uh, folk song called Mizilu. Um, which is from the Eastern Mediterranean region with origins in the Ottoman Empire, but you will know it better as the opening theme from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, you got me. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, the original author of this folk song is not known, as is often the case with folk songs, um, but it w it's been known to Arabic, Greek, and Jewish musicians. Um, and there's record of those communities uh, performing the song um, in the 1920s, but you know that who, who's to say how far the sort of tradition goes back of um, these different communities playing this music. Uh, the earliest recording is a Greek uh, rabitko uh, composition. Uh, rabitko is a kind of Greek music in 1927. <laughs> Um, but, you know, there's, like, belly dancing, um, Indian, Turkish, Persian versions of this song. Uh, it, there's just, like, it's just spread, like, really far. It's kind of fascinating how, um, there's not 
really any clear evidence of where this song comes from. Uh, it's just sort of there. <laughs> like it's just There and everywhere. There and everywhere. Just in all of these different cultures um, in sort of the Greek, Turkey, um, Arabia kind of region there. Um, so in 1962, that's when Dick Dale recorded the American surf rock version. Uh, originally <laughs> titled, Dick titled Dick Dale, uh, <laughs> titled uh, Miserloo. He spelled it differently. So generally, um, the it's it's spelled M-I-S-I-R-L-O-U, but he spelled mm. it M-I-S-E-R-L-O-U. Um, yeah. And that's that version is what, um, as you may be familiar with, popularized the song in uh, Western popular culture. Um, mm. But he was actually influenced by an Arabic folk version played on an oud, which I love to say. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and so his version... Um, was covered by a lot of other, you know, surf and rock bands like the Beach Boys and the Trashmen. Um, and then, of course, it was popularized in 1994 when Quentin Tarantino used it for Pulp Fiction. And then again in 2006 when the Black Eyed Peas sampled it for their song, <laughs> Pump It. <laughs> so it's a dignified tradition. <laughs> um, so the title is Greek. Um it's the uh, the feminine form of the. <laughs> it's very complicated. So, uh, miserlu is the feminine form of miserlis, which comes from the Turkish word miserli, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong. Um, which is basically the their word meaning Egyptian. So the song, the title of the song, basically is Egyptian woman. Um, huh. Which is interesting because the the. Uh, actual corresponding word for Egyptian in Greek is Egyptioi. Uh, so they, it's like a, a Greek title taken from the Turkish word rather than the Greek word. Which just fits this whole history uh, of the song. It does. Yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. This, <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting the way that it's sort of spread all through uh global cultures at this point uh and like now we just know it as the pulp fiction song <laughs> i mean yeah. that's that's sort of um a, it's a very american view of it because of course in you know in the east there are there's a long tradition of this song being performed as a folk song and you can go on you know youtube and find covers of it that are more traditional and it's still a thriving folk song in those cultures, but we just think it's the Pulp Fiction surf rock song. <laughs> so I found as it, is always the way, right? <laughs> yeah, we just we appropriate things and then forget where they even came yeah. from. Yep, that's America. Uh, God bless America. Gotta uh, love. It. Uh, but that's Miserlou. Um, so we did kind of leapfrog over. Let's get Hugge. Getting Hugge. We're, we're, it feels a little. Uh, redundant just based on the topic of the today's well, episode and or just based on the way that we're forced to live our lives right now. <laughs> yeah we take any huga we, we we wring the huga out of every moment <laughs> yes, literally it's, 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 <laughs> all huga all the time i do my work 
my my weekday work on the couch with my blanket and my bathrobe like yeah the Hoogan never stops <laughs> but we are burning a candle right now for our Hoogan. it is a scent oh. an unscented black votive candle oh because if you can't you get edgy <laughs> you've been you've been getting Hoogan lately Allie? comfy and yeah, you know, it's funny. I, at first, when classes started, because, you know, as is classic with the video calls, you can see the upper half of my body, right? Um, but I was trying to just put on, like, regular clothing to make it feel a little more normal, and that lasted about 15 minutes. <laughs> I like, literally was in my first class, and I was like, well, there goes my bra, and then about 10 minutes later, <laughs> I was in full PJs, and so that's been nice. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, I just, like, change my shirt in the morning and just wear my pajama pants all day from, like, you know, I, I have been on a couple video calls generally in a day, and it's like, well, as far as you can tell, I'm dressed. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's beautiful, because I feel like everybody, I mean, at least where I'm at, everybody's kind of in that same vibe. I know that some, like, businesses still are trying to keep it, like, fancy, um, which I totally appreciate. Um but I loved it. We were in class one day and um, the second professor, like they're splitting the ca- the class and she was just there, like her video was muted. Um, and the first one needed help. <laughs> and I have never seen her anything but like perfectly well-dressed with her hair, like beautifully manicured, right? And she answers and she's like, yeah, can you please help me out with this blah, blah, blah. And she turns on her video chat and she's in like this hoodie. Her hair is like all just scrambled and out of control. And I was like, this is exactly what everybody is feeling right now. So beautiful. Even you. Yeah. Like this yeah. is, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's just the world we're living in. Um, yeah. But it, it's console ourselves and to pass the time. We've just been indulging in some, cozy and trashy media and it's it's been it's been all right it, mm-hmm. it's helping yeah you kind of got it uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh the thing that alex and i <laughs> have, have really got into the past couple of days the guiltiest of pleasures guiltiest, it is brilliant it is perfect it is everything i ever wanted and it is american horror story 1984 oh i need to watch it i was wondering i was really hoping you were not gonna say tiger king and i'm really glad that it was american we horror story. Tiger king as well but we, we sort of lost it after the, like it sort of slows down and we're like okay. okay well we're not like all hyped anymore for it yeah well we'll probably finish it but something <laughs> far more exciting took its place and now i will i since you haven't watched it, I don't want to say too much about it because there are some thrills and chills. <laughs> and some spills. <laughs> I cannot possibly spoil for you. This is this is a spoilery podcast, but for for your sake, I don't want to spoil it because Alex and I were sc- screaming, <laughs> literally screaming at the top of our voices at certain moments, not out of fright. <laughs> Just sheer audacity. The just, audacity. The things this season does. Apparently, people don't really like it, and I don't. I don't understand. think it did well on TV. I don't understand. Interesting. I, I haven't watched most of the seasons of American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. I've watched mm-hmm. the first one, Murder House. The second one, Asylum, and like half of Coven, and like a couple episodes of Hotel. Yeah, but. Honestly, I'm enjoying more than any of them combined. <laughs> it is exactly my thing. It's it's Ryan Murphy with his heart on his sleeve. 
Oh. Doing everything he ever wanted to do. So far, no musical number, but I, but there's, there's it'll happen. There's room. It's bound to there's, happen. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he puts them anywhere and everywhere he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in seasons where it was just like, where is this coming from? Right. Like, why are you, why are we seeing the game right now? <laughs> What is this? So yeah, I've I've watched all but I believe two full seasons. I skipped Freak Show because it got a little annoying and weird, mm-hmm. and then yeah. I skipped I skipped most of um, Cult, mm. yeah, because that also was kind of weird, and it was also really like triggering my anxiety. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> um, because like the the lead in that one, she was just being tormented, and her anxiety was just like You're yeah. Right. Anyway, but this oh, season. 1984 is like it's just fun yeah it's just fun okay so so stupid it's so stupid but it's 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 doing exactly what it means to be doing and yeah. that's what's great about it it's like yeah it's stupid that's the fucking point <laughs> uh, and, and you know you, he hasn't done a musical number yet but the needle drops are impeccable. the music is banging just oh of course the, i mean it was the 80s so much Billy Idol. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I need that. It's, it's, it's so good. Yes. It's so good. The twists and the turns, I can't. So the premise is there's these like early twenties LA folks and they're all like know each other because of an aerobics class they all take. (laughs) Perfect. And they're like, we got to get out of town for some reason. I don't remember what. Oh, They've all got their own. Oh, it's the Olympics are being oh, held in LA, and they're like, oh, one yeah, of them, yeah. one of them got kicked off the Olympic team, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them are like, oh, it's gonna be such a like. It's a, gonna be a mess. Yeah, gotta get out of so there. gotta get out of town. So they decide to go and count, be counselors at the summer camp. So we're oh. getting into Friday the Thirteenth territory. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Um, and then of course every horror trope along the way happens. Right. Yes. We've got Halloween. We've got. Uh, we don't have a we don't have any Nightmare on Elm Street yet. Not quite. No, um, there is a little bit of um, I know what you did last summer. Oh, mm-hmm. I would hope so. I would hope so. Yeah, I'm, yeah. There's, I mean, just they're they're using every single. They're just really digging their fingernails into the '80s. Just the whole aesthetic, the whole thing. The the sound, the music, the yeah. the like the the soundtrack. This, yeah, because there's the soundtrack, the you know the songs that they're taking from pop culture, but then the score itself is mm-hmm. this fantastic, very synthy kind of um, John Carpenter esque. Yeah, thing if you on. like like the score for Stranger Things, mm-hmm. you'll love the score for this. Yeah, people were not so into the um, new theme song for this season because basically what they did was they took the original theme song and they redid it as like an 80s synth. And it's so good. It is my favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) It is the best. I can't stop listening to it. I sent it to my brother. Like, dude, listen to this theme song. It's really good. Yeah. Shoot, you, well, so you guys have painted for me right now? Like, literally sounds like the best series in existence. <laughs> like, that sounds perfect. It, I would say it probably wouldn't be as fun watching it alone. In, ah, in, in company, <laughs> it's a blast. Right. Okay. Well, and you're definitely the kind of person, Alex, who really thrives I, a lot. Oh, I thrive off of reactions from other people. Yes, oh, 100%. Is yeah. a communal experience. Yeah. So if you're the kind of person who's, who enjoys watching things alone, then I think that that would be fine. But it does, you do get a lot out of having a friend there, <laughs> for sure. 
we should we should we should give some little teasers we have what uh, the night stalker is yes, present the, you know the one richard ramirez the real life serial killer he is a central character <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and the guy playing him is perfect can i say he is he is terrifying because he is 100% the real life richard ramirez <laughs> Very good. And it's also fun because in season five hotel, Richard Ramirez is in, is in the, the is in like the serial killer dinner scene. Yeah, the serial oh killer. My party. God. So he's just making a he's, comeback. He's coming back Carried him through. <laughs> yeah. We've got sort of the uh the, the woman running the camp is she's you know, she's a very sort of religious type. She's a little bit um Carrie's mom from Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's got some shades of um, Kathy Bates in Misery. So that's delightful. And then we have first time actor Gus Kenworthy, the Olympic skier. With a, with a gay secret. <laughs> with a gay secret. <laughs> I just, I, uh, it's just so, and, and here's the thing. Like, we were screaming our heads off in episode, like, three. Like, this- This movie, this show goes so fucking fast. It's insane. Like, we were like, how- How are we moving forward from this? Where where does it go now? Because there's, like, 12 episodes. (laughs) How can this- It's like, okay, so 11 people have died. (laughs) And it's episode three. And you have so many favorite characters that you're like- rooting for and then they all just break your heart <laughs> it's great it's great Allie. oh it sounds marvelous so wait because american horror story was about to get canceled at one point right i'm not sure exactly i know that uh ryan murphy has his finger in like every pot <laughs> <laughs> he has so many That's shows run- going on right now um well, he basically has his own empire yeah for- <laughs> and i think american horror i know that they're they are planning a, n- a new season. It just hasn't started filming because of the virus. Gotcha. So okay. it's very possible that they were going to cancel after this season, maybe even. Mm-hmm. I know that um, Colt didn't do super well, mm-hmm. but then Apocalypse did pretty well. Did it? I liked it a lot. It brought back all the faves. Mm-hmm. It was the greatest okay. hits. Um, and then this is just... I can see why people wouldn't like this one because it's less horror... Yeah, it's, and it's more very camp. silly, very campy, and I and I am delightful. But it's it's and it's definitely still horror. Like there's a lot of disemboweling going on. And stuff. <laughs> there's a, a lot. Of, they use that prop a lot. Actually. Lots of disemboweling because <laughs> well, it's a slasher. Yeah. So you know, lots of knives. <laughs> lots. Oh of knives. my goodness. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the knives are more powerful than the guns in this show. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, as they should be, though. Like, that's... <laughs> it's classic yeah, horror. That's they're so more much visually impactful. For sure. Absolutely. There are some very creative murders as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's definitely well within the realm of horror, but it's not really scary. Yeah, and it is ridiculous. Super Especially scary. where we left off. I think it was episode five or six. Yeah, things are getting really wet and wild up here. Wet and wild. Yeah, it's oh, that's, uh, so that's a that's a hearty recommendation from us. What have you been watching, Allie? What have you been doing? 
Um, so it's kind of funny because I remember when Alex and I were talking about this, he was like, yeah, like movies that would be, we had said like comfy for the quarantine and everything. And then I was like, what have I been watching? And I've been watching like purely post-apocalyptic movies. Or just not- oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's watching like Contagion and stuff. Oh, I can't go that far. Like nothing with, well, the one with the, I watched 28 Days Later the other day because it's been a long time. And that one is so good. <laughs> but I've been avoiding virus ones just because it's a little too real right now. But um, what did we watch? Oh, the um, so I've been watching them with a friend, which has also been really fun. Um, mm-hmm. From a distance, obviously. Well, actually, he lives in Chile. So like we've been practicing social distancing for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, um, but we watched. Um, I think it's called the the portal or no the platform. That's what it was. It's a Netflix one, um, and it's crazy. It's so good. So basically, it's this jail, right? And basically, the way it's set up is that there is like we don't know how many floors, um, and then starting at the very top, they drop this table with food, and it's full at the beginning, right? And then it st- it stays at each level for like I don't know five minutes or something, and you can't take food from it. Like, after it's gone, you have to pretty much eat only when it's there. And then it keeps going down, and so there's less and less food, right, as you get further down in the the jail. And, like, so it's following this one character, and basically every, I don't know how many days, but they change what level you're on. Um, And so, like, at the beginning of the movie, yeah, he's on, like, I don't know, platform 16 or something, and so there's a little bit of food left. And then he gets up to level 6, and it's, like, a full table, and then at one point he's at level like 200 and there's nothing. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it was actually really, into, I mean, it ended kind of weird, but um, spoiler alert, I'm not going to say anything, but um, so that one was really good. Kind of a psychological thing, but really interesting. Yeah. I Sounds thought it very actually, Netflix. <laughs> I know. Right. But it was, I thought it was really relevant with like kind of every society in the world right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty cool. Who, but, who um, gets what? Exactly, yeah. And, like, nobody was, like, they were trying to make the point that if they rationed it, then the food would make it all the way down to the bottom. But, of course, nobody was doing that, right? Like, right. they were starving and they would just eat whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Which, actually, again, is really relevant with everybody with the toilet paper and stuff. But Boarding everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, taking resources away from other people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's see, what else have I watched? Oh, yeah, I started Breaking Bad a long time ago, so I've been trying to <laughs> finish that one. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I, I definitely did not finish that one. I watched yeah. three episodes. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> doesn't it. seem like your kind of thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was exactly what happened to me the first time. I think I watched the first two, and I was like, this is not good. <laughs> I didn't come back to it for a couple of years, but then somebody, everybody in the world is like, it's the best series ever made. And so I'm trying to finish it, but... But yeah, no, pretty much just, yeah, same thing. I, like, started it and then left it for like a year and <laughs> now I'm going back to it and it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to just sort of get the cultural touchstones like that everybody yeah. was sort of understanding, yeah. but it's also nice to like get those after everyone's done with them. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so you can like stand on its own merits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. And I'm usually pretty cautious. Course- like, starting big series too it just always is like a lot of work after they've already finished and so i'm like i really gotta like it you know agreed very much so mm-hmm. uh 
And then, of course, Alex and I have been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, <laughs> which is probably the coziest thing that's ever been made. Yes. I actually have still never played Animal Crossing. I don't know how it's possible, but... This is my first one. <laughs> oh, okay, wow. good. That makes me feel better. Yeah. And it's so relaxing. I've been playing since childhood, back in the GameCube days. Like, I've been playing nice. since the beginning, so I just... It's like coming home. Allie, Allie, you would love it because it's very like Sims light. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I yeah. actually, I almost bought the Sims the other day. Um, my cousin was here and she was playing it. And I was like, you know, when is a better time to play the Sims? If not like in a quarantine in your house, <laughs> like yeah, trying to live out I your think, life with your Sims. <laughs> I think I've probably played about 15 hours of the Sims in the last like Three days. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Alex can vouch for this. Oh, yes. Were you thinking about buying four or three? Four. Yeah, they were... My, my, my cousin and her friend had made the argument that apparently it just moves a lot, like, more smoothly. And I don't know. They just... They said it was nice. But I mm. ended up back, backing out at the last second because um, I don't know why. <laughs> I, made, I made a commitment to myself when I was younger. Like... Yeah. I played way too much, and so I was like, Allie, you cannot keep doing this. <laughs> you will not play Sims. But. Yeah, I'm just still playing The Sims 3. I I don't think I can get into The Sims 4. It's just really different, and like yeah. the priorities of the game are so different. And the, the style, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, just with like it, it being more focused on like moods rather than personalities, it, oh. I just don't like that. You know, it's like this, at least I played like, I, I demoed the vanilla base game and it just seemed like all, there was so little variation from Sim to Sim. Um, you know, you wouldn't have like diverse characters and personalities. It was just about like, they would have different moods. And so that would like change how they did things and what they wanted. But like, I just don't jive with that. Yeah, that's a little strange. I liked being able to pick their personalities. I couldn't really get into the way they looked. They were much more cartoony than they ever have been. Yeah, the graphics are weird. I didn't like that either. Yeah, they. I think with each iteration, it just sort of gets a little bit more stylized. Well, and just like rounder, like rounder, soft and squishy with each iteration. Like, Like, yeah, Sims One, they were very blockish, you know, (laughs) because that was you know the the nineties, and that's what you could do. But yeah, with like people after the Sims Three came out, Sims Two people were like, "Ugh, they look like squishy and round and stupid," (laughs) and now. that's how I feel about Sims 4. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and I remember I remember being angry too because like Sims 5, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember being mad because I was like playing Sims 3 and you know they were coming out with all the beautiful expansion packs for a while and then all of a sudden I'm fully in there, super stoked about it and then they're like just kidding, we've come up with Sims 4 so you don't get any more expansion packs. And I was like, "Oh, that's fine. <laughs> they had this whole good thing going, and then they just switched gears, and I was like, fine. I'm not bitter about it. But. Well, they did come out with a lot of expansions for this. This is true. There's like, this is true. <laughs> there's like 10 of them or something. <laughs> there's a lot of material there. But I was playing it like from base game, so mm-hmm. every you know new expansion that came out, I was buying. And... Nice. 
but it's definitely a way to pass the time and sort of forget that you're trapped in your own home. You know, <laughs> very true. <laughs> you can get absorbed in someone else's life, and then your own life doesn't feel so bad because you forgot about it. <laughs> you forgot about it. <laughs> That's how I get sometimes. Like when I get deep into it, like I, it's like waking up from a dream and I come yeah. back to real life. It's like, exactly. oh, it was not, none of that was real. <laughs> No, and that was I haven't. I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't been. I haven't been that into The Sims in quite a while. But that makes total sense. The way you describe it's, that. Yeah, it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, none of that. None of that, huh? I should probably eat. I didn't accomplish any of that. Actually, didn't really do it. Mm, right. Yeah, I didn't just have three children and then lose my husband in a pool because he couldn't get out because there were no railings. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that tragedy didn't really tragedy. feel so real, though. <laughs> it hits you right yeah. in the soul, you know? Yeah. Oh, no. Not Federico. <laughs> Oh my god, with the I first one? The first day I moved into town. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I miss that game so much. With the first one, um, my brother and I, I'll never forget, we used to literally, because there was a cheat code that could like promote a spontaneous like visitor to your lot. I don't know if you remember that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with my, my brother and I would kind of play at the same time. He would mostly just watch as I did it. But um we would do that and we had this mansion. And so any time that a sim would come on my, the female character, she would seduce them, get married. And then her and her children would just like hang out inside while I would have them go for a swim and then kill them. And we made this beautiful cemetery <laughs> in the back of the mansion. <laughs> and that was how I had to spend my time as a child. <laughs> it was great. Good times. I miss it. <laughs> It's so funny. I think Alex and I we talked about this a little bit in our in our like Was it cozy, cozy games? In our cozy games episode recently. No. I just couldn't. Like I can't torture my Sims. Like I want them <laughs> to be happy. I, I, like yeah. no shade to the people who like to have their like firehouses and stuff, but like I can't do it. I can't. I feel like a monster. Do you know it'd be a fucked up horror movie is oh. if it's just like the stuff that we did to our Sims was happening to people. Like that, oh, that gamer oh. movie where yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jared Butler was a first-person shooter man, but the Sims instead. <laughs> <laughs> that movie needs to be made. That would be good. Oh, man. Oh, I'm just thinking about how dark that is. Right? Yep. That would get so crazy. Like... <laughs> oh. Just thinking oh. about all the shit that I did my... <laughs> Yeah. Like it's the first 45 minutes of like a normal movie. Somebody gets this nice new house. They get a promotion. They have this awesome pool. They're off swimming in their pool just to like cool off. And then suddenly the pool's too high to climb out of and there's no railing. And then they just like die of exposure. <laughs> See, I'm seeing it from, the, from a different perspective of like, it's like, because in, in the movie Gamer, I think that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were like felons who oh, yeah. this was like mm-hmm. a punishment. So I'm picturing this as something that's being imposed upon people with their knowledge. So Big Brother, the TV show. Where they're being controlled and they know they're being controlled. Oh, yeah. Or it's like, um, (sighs) shoot, there was a movie. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember, oh, it had something. It was a video game one, though, where basically um, you get into this horror game and it was about this woman who, like, murdered little girls, you know, super pleasant. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
basically, if you die in the game, you die in the same way in real life. If you die in the game, you die in real life. Yeah, that's yeah, it was so good. I remember that was like my favorite horror movie when I was a teenager because I was like, that's some meta shit right there. Like, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> I can't remember yeah. what it was called though, but it was good. That's kind of where I was going with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can see it. It's, it's, there's, it's, this has legs. It's, it definitely, there's that, it could there's be a thing. This, yeah, I mean, if only we had any sort of. <laughs> Resources or drive. Willpower of any General desires. Yeah. You know, you know. So another movie that we watched at the beginning of the quarantine Mm -hmm. was one of my favorites, and I know Allie loves it too because we've watched it so many times together. Um, love and Other Disasters. Oh, I love that movie. Oh my goodness. Brittany Murphy at her finest. Oh. Perfect. Just really, yeah, I hadn't seen it in many years. Like I, I had seen it before, but mm-hmm. I think only once and quite a long time ago. So it was really nice to go back and be like, oh yeah, this was actually really, really It holds good. up pretty well too. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and it's like, I think it's because it intentionally kind of makes fun of itself too, you know, like it, it's cheesy, but it's supposed to be. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. In the way that like Scream is a horror movie about yeah. <laughs> horror movies, Love and Other Disasters is a rom-com about rom-com. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like Breakfast at Tiffany's making fun of itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. And like the, the, the kind of little callbacks to Breakfast at Tiffany's, yeah. where, like they, they joke in the movie Jax would be blonde and yeah. you know in, in real life with Breakfast at Tiffany's Truman Capote had wanted someone like Marilyn Monroe to play Holly Golightly and instead they got Audrey Hepburn and he felt that uh, Brunette was all wrong for the part. And she's literally the best thing that's ever happened to cinema. <laughs> right. Isn't that amazing? I know. <laughs> yeah I just I love that little like ironic nod mm-hmm. to that kind of obscure bit of film trivia. And I love when uh, Brittany Murphy's character is like that she's watching Breakfast at Tiffany's and she says something her friend says something about like you know, oh are you like sort of dressed like, I don't know, some some little remark in, about how she's inspired by, or it's her favorite movie or uh-huh. something it's her favorite movie and she's like, can't you tell? Yeah. And I'm like yeah. oh! <laughs> yeah. It's a great line Brittany Murphy's performance is so good too. She, the dialect she's doing is brilliant because she's doing such a good job of sounding like an American who's been living in England for a absolutely, long time. absolutely. Like she's not doing like a full British accent, but it has like shades and flavors. And then her Spanish is so good and too. Oh my word! That's I've actually been wanting to rewatch it because of, like when I saw it last, I didn't speak Spanish, and so I'm curious to see now that I do if it's any different. <laughs> <laughs> right, your, how your perception of that might yeah. but I know that was my favorite part like in the very beginning of the movie when it's doing where it has like the type set over it and it's mm-hmm. like this is Jax she was raised and you know and it just like it fits perfectly and she starts talking and you're like that's beautiful that's what she, yeah that's what she would sound like it's flawless yeah Oh, I miss her. Was such an angel. I know. I feel like we would have gotten more roles like this, like more complicated role. I mean, she's always had yeah. some sort of interesting role, but I feel like we could have gotten so much more. Yeah. No, for she- sure. That one was definitely like because I I was watching Little Black Book the other day. I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. that one. That one's cute. It's cute, but it's not like on the same level. You know, like there's a bunch of those where I watch them just because I need some Brittany Murphy. Um, but like <laughs> you know. 
Uptown Girls. Uptown Girls is the other one. Oh, That's yeah. so mm-hmm. good. So good. I cry every time. Yeah. Yeah. That one is really cute. Yeah. Dakota Fanning. That was like oh my the gosh. Dakota Fanning. Absolutely. It's so perfect. Like, you know, it's kind of funny how since then she's sort of like faded a little. Like she's still doing work and she's still doing good work, but she's definitely not as much of a star as she was when she was like 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She was like the biggest thing at that age. She's probably she, just a little burnt out. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. She doesn't need to work. She's set. <laughs> and then she was done. <laughs> She's set for life. That was her last thing. She was like, I'm going to do Twilight and then never again. <laughs> Retired. That, that was like John Connery in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Just like, that's oh it. I'm done. I'm done with cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I feel for child actors, too, because you really, it's kind of hard to get out of that mindset, you know? Like, when I saw, was it, we watched Zombieland 2 the other day, um, mm, and I mean, it's been forever. Yeah, exactly. It's been forever since I saw the first one, but yeah, she's, like, an adult now, and I was like, what is this? Like, she has boobs, she's, you know, got a deeper voice, I'm like, a it's a different person. Yeah, it's weird, I can't get past it, and I feel terrible. Right, <laughs> like, because you just still want to see her as that little girl from Little Miss Sunshine, oh, and she is Oh, oh she's my god! An adult movie. human now. Exactly. Yeah. She, she's a woman. She's like, you know. Yeah, there definitely are the the child actors who worked really hard and did successfully break out of that. Yeah. Like um, Daniel Radcliffe. You know, I mean, he's still oh, always going to be yeah. Harry Potter. But everybody is comfortable with him as an adult now. Like <laughs> yeah. he's a grown up actor who does grown up movies, and we're all good with that. He's <laughs> he's sort of. Forced his grown upness upon us and in certain and ways. Like, okay, dear. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna Why? say. I think. Yes. I think that's like the technique. You have to just. It's like a band aid, right? You have to like rip it off really fast. It can't be a gradual. You're like, like I'm gonna play. here's my penis. Yep. <laughs> that's what he did. That's what he did. Exactly. And, it worked. <laughs> and he's actually like, and, and and on top of that, he's just become quite a talented actor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, awesome. absolutely. <clears throat> He's pretty great. He's really yeah. So, Ashley, I know you've been watching a lot of things while I'm at work. Yeah, I haven't actually the last couple of weeks because the work that I've been doing hasn't been as conducive mm-hmm. to that. But I was at first, um, which is actually sort of was the inspiration for the big news that I have today. Oh, yes. Um, ah. Because uh, so I decided I was like, you know what? I haven't watched in a long time. Kill Bill. That's a great oh. thing to have on in the background while I do work because I've yes. seen it so many times and <laughs> I don't, I, it's, you don't really have to pay a whole lot of attention to it. Like especially yeah. Kill Bill part one, it's just a lot of very good fight scenes. Yeah. With other Such a good movie. On. And actually, as I was watching it and then part two, I was like, damn, this is actually super, super, super good uh, <laughs> and very interesting and doing a lot of really interesting things. And I feel like people don't talk about that so much. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, Kill Bill and Samurai Swords and Kick and yeah. And it's like, wait, didn't you see the other stuff that happened in the movie? <laughs> didn't you see the other things, the other moments? <laughs> yeah. And I was, so I was thinking, like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I got in touch with our dear friend and uh and sometimes guest Leonora 
And I proposed to her that we do a limited run podcast where we do a deep dive into each Tarantino movie. Oh, I love that. So we're, we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's not a, it's coming soon. Uh, This episode is going up. uh, This episode of Literary Merit is going up on Monday. It might be going up as soon as Wednesday, the first episode of our, our new podcast, Quarantino Cast. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it might be going up um, Wednesday, depending on if we can get our music sorted. It's going to be a very fun surprise. I'm really oh. excited for our theme song. But if we can't get it pulled together by then, then it will be the following week. So stay tuned for that. But it's going to be really, really good. Our first episode is, of course, on Reservoir Dogs because we're doing them in chronological order. Beautiful. Um, second episode, Pulp Fiction, Alex was on. Because I had never seen Pulp Fiction. It's, Wait, what? It, How did I not know I that? know. <laughs> How did you not know that he had not yeah. seen Pulp Fiction? What? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 um, briefly, Alex... What did you think of Pulp Fiction? <laughs> it was, like I've, I've been saying this all, all week, it was better. I liked it more than I thought I would uh-huh. uh, because I didn't know it would be my type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was full of twists and turns. Yes. And you'll have to listen to the second episode of Quarantino Cast to, to learn more. Yes, yes. But <laughs> I, it was very fun to watch him watch this movie. Like, <laughs> For, for for the, I will say the majority of you out there who have seen Pulp Fiction, <laughs> just thinking about, imagine the first time experiencing those 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 great moments in that film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and, and to, to do that as an adult, you know, like the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I was like 10. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, and like, it's, and it being Alex, too, I feel like you react so wonderfully to the movie. <laughs> it's so true. This is like a very visual, like, physical response. I, I had some physical response. He jumped out of his body. <laughs> Skeleton fully outside of his skin. Just... And then it was the three of you watching the movie. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Was oh, I love fun. that. Yes, so that's coming, and it's it's going to be good, and I'm going to tack onto the end of this episode a little preview of our first episode on Reservoir Dogs, because Ooh. I want to entice people <laughs> to listen, because I think it's going to be pretty radical. So that's my plug, my shameless, shameless plug. Was there anything else that we wanted to talk about today? I don't remember. <laughs> Now you're just thinking about Pulp Fiction. Well, that and I, you know, I had a full day of work today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm still, I'm still out on, I'm like behind the front lines, Mm -hmm. just right behind the front lines. Mm -hmm. Uh So. Working at a bank. Working at a bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so wild. Was there anything else that you've been uh, watching or anything, Allie? No, I just, I. What was that? We were talking about kind of what makes us comfortable and like comfy mm-hmm. movies to watch with this going on. And I realized that like for me to make a list doesn't really necessarily work because it's kind of up to each person. Because I've realized what for me has been most helpful is just like pure nostalgia. Like 
I watched Big Fish last night and I was cozy and cuddly the whole time just because that movie makes me so happy. Um, mm-hmm. That's a um, very cozy movie for me. Right? Yeah. But if, I don't know if everybody has that feeling or like any Miyazaki movie has been really helpful for me uh-huh. as well. I believe it was the first time you were on the podcast, Allie. We coined mm-hmm. the term mashed potatoes movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all need right That's now. That's a good term. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Miyazaki films are. Leonora has been watching through all the Ghibli films yep. with her mm-hmm. family because her siblings haven't seen them all. Beautiful. Um, and that just sounds like a really good time, except for when she got to um, Grave of the Grave Fireflies. Of the Fireflies. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's the. Oh my god, that movie yeah. I watched with my dad, and he was so mad at me. He like looked at me halfway through, just sobbing, and he was like, "Why did you do this to me?" <laughs> That, that's me, Ashley, and uh, about time. About time. Oh yes. So mean. I'm glad I saw it, but that was so mean. Oh, it just broke me. But no, yeah, no. my my philosophy on Grave of the Fireflies is: if you've already seen it, you're permitted to skip it. <laughs> you're you're done. You're good. One time and you're you've done. You've seen it. You have to see it. But then yes. you've, you've you've taken your medicine. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, like, I really appreciate it because it's one thing that, like, Ghibli is very good at also is just showing us a perspective that a lot of people don't think about. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's beautiful for that, but oh my word, I I can't do it again. Yeah, it hurts. (laughs) I would much rather watch Kiki's delivery service. Oh, uh, oh yeah, every time. Oh, We've probably that. talked about it so many times, but literally every weekend in college, Allie watched <laughs> Kiki's Delivery Service. Sometimes more than once in a day, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. It happened. <laughs> it still does every now and then. It just makes me so happy. You know, it's so cute. <laughs> I think I just secretly wanted to be a little witch that like flew off to this cool little like French town and lived in a freaking bakery with this rad pregnant lady. <laughs> Talk about Higa. <laughs> oh man, like so the scene good. When she comes in from flying in the rain. Of course, she's very, very sad. But like, mm-hmm. just the way that she's like so wet, and then she comes in and just snuggles up, and it's just oh like, my god. Oh, yeah, like that is cozy. That is something that he achieves so beautifully in every single one of his movies. Like, I don't feel this with real movies even, but like, he he makes you feel the things that the characters are feeling. You know, like when she's out in the rain flying, like you feel cold Mm. and sad. And then like when that lady makes her that like hot chocolate with honey, you're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's like heightened. It's like it's yeah. like reality plus. He's not constrained by what's physically happening. He yeah, can exactly. evoke an emotion by just portraying it in its purest form. The scene in Spirited Away when Haku gives Chihiro the rice balls. Oh, I love that. them and cries. It's just yeah. like so cathartic. Like everybody knows that feeling of like just being just worn down to the bone and then you just sit down and you eat something and it's just like this wave of like instant comfort just relief and it's just like she just lets go and it's just uh so real it's so good yeah absolutely yeah let's all just watch ghibli movies yeah that's my recommendation (laughs) (laughs) speaking of 
<laughs> recommendations. I suppose this has been sort of a recommendation heavy episode, but do we want to do a recommendations? Why not? Let's, it doesn't hurt. It sounds like you're prepared for it for once. So um, well, <laughs> maybe not that prepared. I wouldn't call myself <laughs> that prepared. Um, I don't know. Like music is a thing. Oh yeah. Well, you've already recommended music in the past. <laughs> the, uh, the concept of music, I believe, you have already done as a recommendation. You have such a good memory of this podcast. I guess you listen to it afterwards not when you're always. editing. Not, not always. <laughs> you're like, this has been a hard week. It's just going up raw. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to take it and they're going to like it. I try to remember the parts that need some editing, but I don't strictly listen through every second of every episode. Um, so a lot of the gays, mm. uh, the hot gay sound right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Alex. So she's been around for a while. She's always been quite boring up until now, actually. Dua Lipa. Oh, excuse me. Um, I have always loved her. Okay. Well, calm down. <laughs> um, yeah, just released on, her album. Just released her album, Future Nostalgia, mm. which is sort of a pop disco record. Ooh. Um, and it's really pretty good. Like some of the songs all sort of sound the same, but then there's some that are the same and that's a good thing. So I recommend um, uh, Good in Bed um, and also Physical, which I believe I showed you yeah, like yeah, we Ooh, yeah, a music good. video for that. Um, and then also uh, there's a song called Boys Will Be Boys where she's sort of like talking about how uh, boys are boys will be boys, but girls must be women. Mm. I was like, ooh. I love that. That's Snaps, crazy. man. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to recommend, Ellie? Actually, so, and Alex has heard this a thousand times, but um, I am obsessed, and I know there's a bit of a barrier with language, and people kind of can struggle with that, um, but there's this Argentinian singer-slash-rapper that I am obsessed with. Um, her name is Natty Peluso, <laughs> and her name, it's N-A-T-H-Y, and then Peluso, P-E-L-U-S-O, and her quarantine videos for one have been hilarious. Um, the first, first week of quarantine, her in her stories on Instagram, she was literally just like watching movies, um, talking to herself in a knife, like the reflection of her knife. Um, and bring and singing Britney Spears. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. She's, she's, but she's very like, I, you know how, like, I feel like a lot of, um, and we're definitely breaking out of this in our current society, which is fantastic. But, you know, women are generally, generally like, more, quote-unquote, contained. I mean, Lady Gaga definitely, like, shredded that a long time ago. But she is just not a, like, quote-unquote lady, you know? She, like, does all these, like, pelvic thrusts. And she's just really, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. You gotta just watch one of her videos. But she's just really, like, outrageously amazing and very sexual. And also, just she put out this this song recently called Businesswoman. And, yeah, it's just, it's great. I, so she's, I'm obsessed. I can't even, I can't get over it. <laughs> she's my recommendation. I love her. Sounds radical. Yeah. 
she's really cool. Uh, um, but yeah. Well, I'll keep the musical recommendations rolling then. Alex will not be shocked at what I'm <laughs> going to recommend here because I can't stop. I have recently gotten into the Swedish metal band Ghost. Oh. Um, so they've been around a while now, but some big, big stuff is happening lately. <laughs> in the in their, ghost universe. In the universe of ghosts. So the thing about Ghost is, <laughs> the thing about Ghost is it has like a narrative and characters. <laughs> and that's what really drew me in. So the premise is that they're kind of a satanic clergy. Oh. Um, and each album pretty much has had a different character as the lead singer. Oh, wow. Now, they've all been played by the same man. <laughs> um, but they, he's playing these different characters. Um, uh, Papa Emeritus the first, Papa Emeritus the second, Papa Emeritus the third, and then the fourth lead singer is actually not the Pope. He is Cardinal Coppia. Uh, oh. And he's the best yet. He So he wears this crazy mask. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll just have to look it's like at, a person face mask it's a human face mask to make him look like a different human and it looks like it's a mask it's it's like this bizarre uncanny valley face it's like when dwight takes the cpr yeah. dummy's face and puts it on his face <laughs> okay yeah so uh, i as soon as you said ghost i went to their spotify page and yes. i'm looking at exactly that right now. <laughs> exactly what alex just described i also i really like that um one of their albums is called seven inches of satanic panic that <laughs> yeah that's a, that's an ep that's very good yeah. see the thing that i love about ghost so i got into them because they there was some buzz recently they just closed off their um their big tour this year. It just ended recently in Mexico city was their last stop. And it was a big hullabaloo because within the fiction of ghosts, (laughs) see Cardinal Copia, he was, he's the lead singer of the band, the Uh current Pope Papa Nihil, which is Papa zero. Um, he, he's the saxophonist. (laughs) And he's very, very old because he's the father of the other three popes. Yeah. And on stage at their Mexico City uh, tour finale, Papa Nihil died. Uh, oh no! Papa Nihil died, and so Cardinal Copia has become the new Papa. And so now it's like a whole new thing. I'm sure they're going to put out a new album with, um, you know, Copia as uh, Papa Emeritus the Fourth. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> But I was like, okay, I've heard of this band before. I'm going to check them out for real now. And I was so surprised at how, like, you know, I enjoy metal. But when it gets a little too rough, a little too gnarly, it's just, I don't enjoy it. And so I kind of expected it as they have this satanic thing and they're Scandinavian. I figured it would be a little on the hard side. (laughs) It's actually not. It's pretty light. It's pretty, especially their most recent album. um, It's like just very fun and listenable there's a lot of sort of 80s arena rock throwbacks going on oh yeah i have their song dance macabre stuck in my head 24 7 (laughs) it's really fun the music video is outrageous their music videos are very very good they have such a great sense of humor uh i just i'm gonna keep rambling forever if i don't stop myself (laughs) ghost is my favorite thing right now (laughs) all their music videos are good and worth watching their songs are incredible 
it's, it's a good time. And that face mask is, you, it must be seen to be believed. <laughs> yeah, my brother Dylan says he looks like, it, my brother Dylan says he looks like Robbie Rotten from Lazy Town. <laughs> and I can't say that's not true. Yeah, because uh, yep, yep. Robbie Rotten has facial prosthetics. Yeah, he's got those facial prosthetics. And oh my God. Um, there's a little Throwback. bit of Robbie Rotten. It's also very like LA plastic surgery sort of look. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he's this weird, like, he's supposed to be sexy, I think, <laughs> but he's really not. Those high kicks, though. Those high kicks, yes. The uh, the music video for Rats. He's doing a lot of pirouettes. Allie, you would love Rats. Rats is a very good song. It's a very good video. I am so Uh, excited. It's great. Oh, I have to tell everyone about Ghost. I love that. No, it's taking (laughs) me back to. Do you remember Hollywood and Dead? I didn't really get into them, but I'm familiar. But you remember, yeah, they all wore masks, and that was totally their. Th- that's like what it's reminding me of. Although, I mean, obviously, oh, all that's that was the like crazy thing. When Ghost was first around, all of their identities were secret. Nobody oh, knew who so any of the musicians cool. or the lead singer were. The only reason we know who the lead singers is that the reason that his identity has been disclosed is because there was a court case <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, where some musicians who had been in the band were like suing because of like they felt that they were not properly compensated it was this whole thing it's wow history now but because of that case his the lead yeah he was named yeah he was named and so now he's like publicly the lead singer of ghost but all of the other musicians are secret they are the um nameless ghouls they wear these cool masks and they just like they just enjoy it there are rumors that like really big name musicians have recorded on their tracks but it's just all like secret it's so fun it's so fun and i I 100 acknowledge that i wouldn't be nearly as into this band if it wasn't for this like narrative thing that they're doing (laughs) like that's a hundred percent my shit well and that's part of the appeal of orville peck too yes and i was yes Orville Tech as well. Just, just all of Orville Tech, actually. <laughs> just, just all of Tech. Watch the episode he did on BA Test Kitchen oh. when he goes on It's Alive. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Elote, and it's great. Yes. Oh all right, we've we've just we've talked too much now. <laughs> too much. Uh, so I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna tack on a little preview of episode one of Quarantino Cast after uh, this episode ends. So stick around and see what you think. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We really appreciate it, and it makes a difference. Talk to us on Twitter at LitMeritPod. We post updates and news, sometimes fun polls and memes, too. Little jokes for (laughs) you. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Hearts. Until next time, remember... Now get the pleasures. Slightly odd vowels in there. A little bit, yeah. Um, but we've we're in a car. Yep. 
Him Mr. And, Orange. And Mr. White. And Mr. White. And Mr. Orange is dying in the backseat of the car. Yeah. Mr. White is trying his very, very best to control the situation yeah. and be compassionate. Uh, and I just love it. Because again, he does the thing again. Where he's like, I'm smarter than you, so oh, listen yeah. to me. Yeah, it's, are you a doctor? Then you yeah. admit that you don't know what you're fucking talking about, yeah. and you're not dying. <laughs> like, that's the only way he yeah. knows how to handle a situation, is yeah. to say, listen to me, because I'm smarter. And he's in control. He yes. wants to be the one in control. He's got the most information, he mm-hmm. believes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he believes. Uh, <laughs> and I do think that, like, he really feels something for Mr. Orange. Oh, he does. There's and it's so, like the only, such a strong relationship The only genuine them. tenderness in the whole movie is it between is them. It's so tender. It's so wonderful. Like, it just breaks my heart. Uh, at this point, Orange is also call- already calling him Larry. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. screaming for Larry. Um, they get back to the safe house, which, funny enough, the set was an abandoned mortuary right which is not something i knew before but is fascinating yes um uh, it does sort of make sense about like the the texture of the building like yeah. in terms of like that weird side room with I, all the sinks i and wondered all what the sink room is and yeah. now i know what the sink room <laughs> is that's a that's a preparation room right i yes right i know what that is <laughs> right <laughs> I have worked in the funeral industry, uh, and that's what that is. And it makes a lot of sense now. Um, but they get into the main sort of warehouse type yep. room, which has a very specific setup. Like there's that little ramp. There's a ramp. There's a doorway yep. to the hallway with the preparation room. Yep. There's a hearse. Yes. <laughs> underneath some plastic. Um, and we will get to know this room very, very so, well. So, so well. The geography is just clear in my mind. Mm-hmm. And he lays Orange on the ramp and is comforting. He's holding him. He's combing it's, his hair. It's, it's really sweet. It's so sweet and so tragic. You know, he's like his dad in this yeah. moment. He's extremely paternal to him throughout yeah. the whole movie. And it's, it's tender, which has yeah. a significance, I think, especially because like, in any other scene in this movie with multiple men mm-hmm. who like each other, mm-hmm. there's a certain like, there's a friction. There's a friction. There's and like a chumminess, this, like, uns- but it's a masculine there's like this, chumminess. There's like this unspoken worry about like being broy enough and like not getting too affectionate without having to hide it. And there's kind of a no homo thing going on. So no. In the homo. rest of this movie, but with except white in and this orange, in this relationship, this relationship is so genuine. Yeah. And God, that word is so tragic in this context. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just really being a father to him yeah. in this moment. And it kind of makes you wonder things about this character yeah. and where he's coming from and exactly. what's happened in his life. Exactly. Um, he, so Orange is begging to go to the hospital. He says, I yeah. won't tell. I won't tell. Yeah. Please, you just drop me off. I can take care of myself. Just please take me to the hospital. And White does the thing again where he says, He's, I yeah. know things that you don't know. Yep. And it takes a really long time to die from a gut wound. Yep. You're mm-hmm. going to be okay. It's just going to suck. Yep. Uh, you know, how true that is, it's hard to say. But I, I have no idea. I don't know much just, about gut wounds. I think this movie is a lot about people deciding who they can trust. And he's dodging that decision by saying, you don't need to go to the hospital. Yeah. You're going to survive without going to the hospital. Yes. He doesn't want to have to make that judgment call right now. He doesn't feel right like now. he can make that call right now. Um, and he, But he doesn't want to tell him that exactly. that's what he's thinking. Yeah. So he's like, no, you're actually fine. So yeah. shut up and stop saying that. Exactly. 
Um, and this is when Mr. Pink yes. arrives. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> this is maybe my favorite Buscemi role. It's either this or Fargo. He's so good in Fargo. He's so good in Fargo, but... He seems really young in this, but also not because he's Steve Buscemi. <laughs> he's never been young, but he's comparatively young. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he immediately suspects that there was a setup. He, yeah. he just knows. He says that he had a bad feeling about this job and that's a, a thing that comes up a few yeah. times is these gut instincts that yeah. you just gotta you gotta know and you gotta trust that feeling uh and they go to talk in the adjacent room the, yeah. the preparation room and there's a that we'll get maybe we'll save it but there's it's a very interesting uh very long yes. take yes um, and the way that they we can talk about it later but, yes but the edit out of the long take is fascinating to me. Yes. Then let's definitely put a pin in that. Yes. <laughs> um, but they go and they talk in this other room so that they're not talking about it in the presence of Mr. Uh, Orange. Mr. Orange. Um, they go over the events of the heist and we learn that Mr. Blonde acted crazy. He freaked out, shot people. He shot people and white and pink are not sure why he did this. Yeah. And they're deeply disturbed yes. by that behavior. Yes. Um, we get a flashback yes. to Pink's escape. Which is one of like two action scenes in the whole movie. Yes. And honestly, I'm curious, why do you think it's there? Is it just to break things up? I think it's, I think the idea was to have like one action scene at the beginning and one at the end. Mm-hmm. And I... So the the one at the end is, is the... The uh, one at the end is super necessary for the plot. Right. This is, this is brown, white, and orange escaping. Yes. Yes, uh, but, but exactly here, that. Yeah. I think the scene with Pink's escape is a little more superfluous. It does feel, because nothing much happens. No. It's just sort of like telling you what Pink already said. Yeah. He's running down the street. He's slamming into people. It's one of the few scenes in the movie that doesn't feel 100% necessary. It, I it think really it's doesn't. there for flow, because if they just had that one flashback to an action scene at the end, it would feel kind of jarring. Yeah, it, it sort of breaks things up. Yeah. Um... I think, I think, yeah, I think to have, it was a lot of just like talking in this yeah. room. And so to cut away to this, especially because we have, you know, various, you know, flashback cutaways throughout yeah. the film, this moment needed something like that. Yeah. Um, just, just maybe even just so people don't get bored. Yeah. I think frankly. that's fine. I think it's for pace. Yeah. Um, and it's very brief. Yeah. You know, Pink runs down the street. There's a Wilhelm scream. It's really bad. Like... It's a really prominent <laughs> bad Wilhelm. Um, but this was before the Wilhelm situation got really out of hand in cinema. Yeah, it was still kind of a nerd thing. Like Right, it was him showing his nerd cred. Yeah, exactly. At that time, it yeah. was a nerd cred thing. It feels more insufferable now than it probably did. Right, I think out. most people who saw it when it came out didn't didn't know, know what it was. Yeah. They didn't know that reference. Now yeah. we all know that reference. Now we're just like, oh god, it's, it's a, a Wilhelm scream. Um, he gets hit by a car. He yep. steals that car. He shoots some cops. Yep. And we're back in the safe house. Yeah. Nothing much happens. Yeah. Um, we get some interesting lines mm -hmm. about how cops aren't real people. Right. You <laughs> shoot, shoot anybody? Just some cops, no real people. Um. And they continue talking about... Damn, Ashley, I'm sick of this quarantine. I know, we've been stuck in this cabin for two weeks. We killed those people hiding under the floorboards five days ago. What do we do now? I'm just sick of cooking dinner. I could really go for some McDonald's. 
Hey, Leonora, you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? I don't care. Nobody's going to France right now. Well, we could pick up dinner. I just feel bad for the waitresses who aren't working. Do you know what this is? It's the world's smallest violin playing just for the waitresses. Being stuck in here is like being buried alive. I think if I'm stuck in here one more day, I'm just going to get a gun and start firing. AK-47, the very best there is. When you absolutely, positively gotta kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. I guess we could just go for a drive, stick our feet out the window. Hey, I have an idea. What if we made a podcast where we do a deep dive into each movie Quentin Tarantino wrote and directed in chronological order to demonstrate that there's a deeper discussion to be had about the themes and context in his work? Ooh, that's a bingo! Is that how you say it? That's a bingo? You just say bingo. You know, I think this might just be our masterpiece. Subscribe to Quarantino Cast, new episodes every Wednesday. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.